0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. In the Mississippi Legislature, House Bill 728 funds health care for illegal immigrants. Call your legislator today at 601-359-3770. Ask them to stop House Bill 728. It's not too late. You can help stop this. Paid for by Building America's Future. Glad to see you guys on what is, unfortunately, kind of a crummy day across the state of Mississippi. It's just rainy and gross, but glad to see you guys. Nonetheless, I'm Michael Workey. Welcome in to the morning live stream. You can call it Mike in the morning. You can call it whatever you want. I don't care. I'm just glad that you are here. I got asked a question on the radio show yesterday about where you would rank the teams in the SEC after two weeks. Or... Like, do we know everything about them? Where would you put this team, whatever? So we're going to do that today. I've got a tier ranking system. So I guess it's not technically a power ranking because I'm not doing 1 through 14. But I'm going to put the SEC into tiers, and I want your help as well. So here, let me show this to you. Let me show this to you. This is what we're going to be doing today. We're going to put the SEC into tiers, just like this. A, B, C, D, and F. And this is going to be really hard because I feel like the West right now especially is Alabama on a pedestal of their own and then basically chaos underneath them. So we're going to do that today. And uh, this is going to be fun. It's going to be wrong. These are always wrong. There is never a correct power ranking or tier ranking ever. Like there's always something wrong with it. I'm going to try my best and uh, glad that you guys are with me. Before we get started, I do want to remind you real quick that – Wherever you're watching, this does stream live on YouTube. I do weekend stuff after the games. I've got more stuff coming, too, this fall. So don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Michael Borky is all you have to search. Just subscribe on uh, YouTube. It is free. And if you like what you hear, actually like the video. I would appreciate that very much. So Michael Borky on YouTube. Subscribe there. Also follow on Twitter and Facebook. And wherever you get your podcasts, Mike, in the morning or my name, will turn up results and subscribe there. I go live every weekday morning at 8 o'clock. And also, either very late Saturday night or early Sunday morning. And Sterling says, Alabama, Georgia, good luck after that. Yeah, I'm going to need it. (laughs) I'm going to need it. Uh, So here we go. Here we go. Enough wasting your time. Let's do this. Uh, I think Sterling's right on. And to start the season, I had it like this, where Alabama was on an island of one. And I put Georgia and Texas A&M on a tier below them, and that's how I started it. Remember, I did this back in the summer. Uh, I think I have to amend this, uh, and Sterling, you're you're right on. I think Georgia and Alabama are on a similar tier right now. We're going to learn a lot more about the Tide this weekend. I think although transit of property in anything is really stupid, especially sports, though. I mean, Miami struggling with Appalachian State does not mean that Miami and Appalachian State are The same team. You know what I mean? But Alabama dominated for a half Miami. It really wasn't close. And then Miami turned around one week later and looked like crap at home against a lesser opponent in Appalachian State. I don't think we know everything about Alabama just yet. I don't think they've exactly been tested the way some people think they have so far. I'm not a believer in Miami. I don't think that that was a challenge, a real challenge that wasn't the kind of challenge they're going to see this Saturday, for example, in Gainesville. There are far more difficult games left on their schedule than that of Miami. In fact, I actually think that Miami would probably lose to everybody in the West. I mean, would you pick Miami to beat Arkansas right now? Would you pick them to beat Ole Miss right now? No shot. So I don't think Alabama was tested the way some people do. Georgia has been tested. Georgia played a better week one game clearly, and Clemson could not move the football at all, could not move the ball at all against Georgia. And then a week later, a really good group of five team in UAB, solid program, not competitive with the likes of Georgia and Alabama, but still, Georgia absolutely suffocated UAB. And with the backup quarterback, put up 57 points. I think Georgia and Alabama are on equal footing right now. That Georgia defense is for real, and I'm very comfortable calling them the same. Check back with me on Sunday morning, and I'll probably tell you otherwise after Alabama beats Florida by five touchdowns. But I don't think it's going to go down like that. I think Alabama and Georgia right now are on equal tiers, and I'm perfectly comfortable putting them by themselves atop the SEC. I think everybody else is a step below. Alabama and Georgia, but I, we're going to learn a lot this weekend, aren't we? I mean, I think we're going to learn a lot. I think we're going to learn more about Ole Miss than what we currently know. We're going to learn everything about Auburn this weekend. They have played, what was it, Akron, who their coach, God bless him, is 1-17 or something so far in his career at Akron. So one of the worst teams in college football. And then Alabama State, an FCS opponent. So we know nothing about Auburn. Oh, the offense is explosive. Oh, man, they can run the football. Yeah, I mean, it was Alabama State. They better have been able to to run the football, regardless of who was coaching or whatever the offense is. doesn't matter. Uh, This weekend, we will know about Auburn when they go to Happy Valley and play Penn State. I don't think we know anything about them yet. We will learn a lot about Alabama and Florida this weekend. The first time Florida is really going to be tested. I think this is the first real test for Alabama as well. We'll learn about Mississippi State if they're able to be consistent, if that's something uh, that they can do. We have one really bad performance from Mississippi State and one dominant, at least uh, on defense, performance against a better team from State. So what are they? Are they consistent? We'll find out this weekend. So a lot of moving parts here, of course, but I do think uh, there's a hodgepodge, if you will, underneath Alabama and Georgia. And I'm actually going to start with Florida here. I think Florida has been, although they're playing the wrong quarterback, as impressive as anybody else remaining in the SEC. This tier is going to be a little crowded. Uh, they have been as impressive as anybody else in the SEC uh, it has Florida. And I think Anthony Richardson's a, a player, and I think he should be the starter. You know, I'm not in love with it, but I'm not in love with anybody underneath Alabama and Georgia right now. Are you? I mean, I think they're all flawed. Uh, Arkansas belongs in that group as well with how they dominated Texas, but I think Arkansas is incredibly flawed uh, right now. But when they dominate Texas the way they do, they belong on a level like this along with Florida. And maybe there's some preconceived notions with, uh, with Florida and Arkansas. And maybe there's some preconceived notions with, uh, with this one as well. I think Ole Miss is on that tier. I do. Uh, I think they have shown you that they're not going to miss a beat offensively. We're going to learn this weekend really how much better they've gotten on defense. We have had some people text into the radio show and say things like, Ole Miss's defense isn't better, they just played bad teams. And that's just – that's got to be people being obtuse for the sake of it because bad teams lit up that defense last year. Go look at what Vanderbilt did last year to Ole Miss's defense. They're better. How much better? We'll learn that this weekend. But I think when you have a quarterback as good as Matt Corral, an offense as explosive as the one that they have, uh, they can beat anybody. They can. I mean, shoot, guys. They That principle applied a year ago as well. Will they be able to? I don't think so. They'll have to prove it, but I think they belong in in that kind of category as well. I think Kentucky also belongs here. Uh, They do have the only SEC win so far uh, this season with one over Missouri. Uh, You know, I think this is subject to change. They have a really good running game, and and that might carry them. But when they play against the better teams in the SEC – Will their new quarterback, the Penn State transfer, be able to beat people with his arm? Because I don't think you're going to line up and run for 275 yards or whatever against Georgia, obviously, or Florida. Uh, The better teams on your schedule. Mississippi State, I don't think Kentucky's going to be able to just line up and just run right at that defense. I don't think that uh, they're going to be able to, and I don't think their quarterback has been tested yet, regardless of how many yards he threw against when they were at home facing Louisiana Monroe, one of the worst teams in Division One football. So that's why I put them there. This is all subject to change, and this is going to bother some of you, and I understand, and I, I'm willing to hear you. I think a step below this right now is Texas A&M and Mississippi State. I can, I would certainly hear and not argue against you al- altering this in one way or another. I do think right now that Texas A&M is full of preconceived notions. I was hyping them up. I thought they were going to be a really, really, really good football team, and they're not. And now Haynes King is out for weeks. He's got to get surgery on his ankle, and they're saying that he'll be back by mid-October. I'll believe that when I see it. But Texas A&M's offense looks abysmal. And yeah, they're really good on the defensive front. Maybe that'll keep them in some games. But right now, you have got to score points to win. You have to. And right now, it doesn't look like they can do it. We're going to learn more a lot about Texas A&M moving forward for sure. But you've got to score points to win. I think they're better than everybody else in the SEC. In fact, I think it'll get proven later on that they belong up here on the B tier. But for now, I think they're below Florida, Arkansas, Ole Miss, and even Kentucky which I'm not in love with this Kentucky one either. I think you can interchange this, probably keep them down here. State fans aren't going to like that I have State below Ole Miss right now, and there's some preconceived notions mixed in there as well. Um, I still have questions about the offense. There's just no explosiveness whatsoever when it comes to Mississippi State's offense right now. 49 pass attempts under 300 yards with a good completion percentage. They've got to be more explosive offensively. A really nice performance this weekend, uh, that they, they can certainly jump. But I, I'm when you look at the sample size that you've got, it's not a very good one. And they've played two games, and one of them they played quite poorly, and another one defensively they played great, but there's still questions about their offense. I think that right now, any one of these teams, if, if this makes you feel better, right now any one of these six teams can beat the other. And I'm including Florida in that list. I, I think that uh, Florida is a little bit flawed. They all are flawed. Every single one of these teams has flaws. Arkansas has flaws. Ole Miss has flaws. A&M has a lot of flaws. Kentucky has them. State has them. And I think they can all beat each other. I think they can all beat each other. Uh, so if you want to interchange any one of these, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. But the reason why I have Ole Miss up here and these three down there is simply it's quarterback play. It's offensive explosiveness. you got to score points to win. That's why I have it that way. But if you argued against me, I wouldn't fight you on it. I know these are imperfect. I wouldn't fight you on it. Um, I think we've got to see it multiple times from State, and I think we'll get it this weekend. If they dominate Memphis, if they really look like they found their footing and they're going to be consistent, pop them right up there, and I'm cool with it. I think you could argue that Kentucky belongs up there, and I'm cool with it. Um a&M has a lot to prove. A lot to prove. So right now on the A tier, I have Alabama, Georgia, B, Florida, Arkansas, Old Miss, C, A&M, Mississippi State, and Kentucky. Below them, Missouri, Auburn, LSU. Missouri, Auburn, LSU below them. And I think it's a pretty dramatic drop-off. I right now, these six teams, the B and C tier, are, are I think are pretty equal. Like if you did this. I'm cool. You know, I hear that. Uh, But there is a gap. Right now, right now, there is a gap and a wide one between these eight teams in the, or yeah, these eight teams in the SEC and everybody else below them right now. Uh, You can put Auburn up there. I got to see it first. I I, I don't know. I've got to see it from Auburn first. So this is more apt to me than anything else where you have Alabama, Georgia, A, Florida, Arkansas, Ole Miss, A&M, Kentucky State, Auburn, and then Missouri and LSU. I've just got to see it from Auburn first. That They're getting a lot of hype right now, and I'm just not impressed by beating up on bad teams. And, yes, there's some preconceived notions there. Uh, I'm high on Mississippi State's win. I think NC State's a good and will prove to be a pretty solid football team, although they just lost their best defensive player, Oh, uh, That linebacker that got hurt in the game against state is out for the year. Uh, he's got to get surgery. But um, I, I've got to see it first. It's only two weeks. It's only two weeks. But Auburn beating up on two really, really bad teams does nothing for me at all. This it can definitely change after this weekend. It can definitely change after this weekend if they play well in Happy Valley. But until they do, all I've got is a sample size of beating up on bad teams, and that doesn't impress me. At all. Missouri struggled with Central Michigan and lost to Kentucky. And you guys know about LSU by now. Physically overmatched against UCLA. Physically completely overmatched against UCLA. And then struggled last week largely with McNeese. There's a really funky game that nobody's going to watch happening in Tiger Stadium this weekend. With Jim McElwain's Central Michigan Chippewas coming to Baton Rouge. Have you guys seen that yet? Central Michigan played Missouri pretty tough. I think LSU has far superior athletes to Missouri, but they got to play well. You can't just sleepwalk in a game against Central Michigan as it turns out. And uh that's one to keep an eye on. And the F tier, Tennessee, South Carolina, Vanderbilt. I think it might be fair to put Tennessee ahead of South Carolina and Vanderbilt right now, but I don't think Tennessee I need an extra tier cuz Tennessee is not on equal footing right now with Missouri and LSU. Tennessee's quite bad. And the problem is not just Joe Milton. Although, as we talked about, he missed, what, half a dozen in the first quarter, the first few possessions, wide open receivers that would have been touchdowns if he just delivered an accurate football and he overthrew running wide open receivers. If he completes just one or two of those, they win the game. Uh, It's not just quarterback play that Tennessee's lacking. I think lines of scrimmage are a problem for Tennessee and once they get into SEC play where every team has defensive linemen that can and will play in the NFL as early as next year uh, they've got problems and I think that's really where it lies everybody with Tennessee is talking about quarterback play and the offense and injury to a running back and all that's valid and real and true however I think that's our eyes are not looking in the right place when it comes to Tennessee I think on the lines of scrimmage They got a couple dudes on defense. They got a linebacker. That's okay. A defensive end. That's pretty good. But they get dominated up front. Pittsburgh really controlled the lines of scrimmage against Tennessee. So I think they are better than South Carolina and Vanderbilt, but not enough to put them alongside of LSU or Missouri right now. Poor South Carolina. They're 2-0, and that's great. And Shane Beamer, and everybody's in love with him there. Uh, Reality is about to set in with uh with Shane Beamer right now this weekend when they play Georgia they're going to lose by five touchdowns or more uh speaking of bad on the lines of scrimmage go look at the first half stats from their game against East Carolina they're in for a long season a very very long season and I, I've heard somebody that does media in the state that six and six should be the floor expectation and um I don't know what you're selling to those fans, but they shouldn't be buying that because that should not be the expectation. Just relative competency is all they should expect. It's not a good roster, and they're going to get smoked by basically everybody in the SEC. And shout out to Vanderbilt for getting a win over Colorado State this past weekend, but they did lose handedly at home to East Tennessee State. So what do you guys think about this as the finished product? How about that? Where it's Alabama, Georgia, Florida, Arkansas, Old Miss, the combination of AM, Mississippi State, Auburn, Kentucky, LSU, Missouri, Tennessee, South Carolina, Vanderbilt. How's that look? Does that look okay? Um, again, I am putting a lot of stock into quarterback play when it comes to Old Miss. Uh, they've got the best in the SEC. They do. And so it's very easy to put them higher because quarterback play drives basically everything. Uh, You know, if we did this on the radio show, you know what some of the texts would say when they would come in, you know what they would be. Uh, But I think it's justifiable to put a lot of stock into great quarterback play. And so that's why I have uh, Old Miss there. Randall says, so Jimbo's got a new contract, and he may be looking at a 7-8 to win season, a little bit short of a playoff team. That's why I talked about that contract the way I did. Because why would you give your coach a $1,500,000 raise? Why would you take him from $7.5 million to $9 million when you were negotiating against yourself? There was nobody trying to take Jimbo from you in, what, late August, early September? Why are you giving that kind of a raise? And I I asked the question on the radio show that you're talking about right now, Randall, is what happens if you bring him to $9 million and they lose a few games, which is entirely possible? It's been a short tenure, but Jimbo Fisher hasn't won anything at Texas A&M yet. He hasn't won anything. So are you going to bring a guy to $9 million who hasn't won anything? And then what happens when this season doesn't go the way you think it's going to go? You just gave a guy a contract extension out to like 10 years for $90 million. Why did you do that to yourself? Why did you do that to yourself? I I don't understand at all um, why they did that, why Ross Bjork did that, and now – Now that Haynes King is out, you might be looking at a situation where they do lose multiple games this season. It's crazy. Sterling says Jimbo's agent is Jimmy Sexton. Enough said. I mean, Jimmy's great. He's great. Jimmy's why Lane Kiffin's name is going to be put in every coaching search. And if Ole Miss has a good season, he's going to get a big fat raise. And Jimmy Sexton does what he does. There's a reason Hugh Freeze's name is in every coaching search, even though these programs wouldn't touch him at all. But his name is in there. Why is his name in there? Jimmy Sexton. The guy's brilliant. But it, Jimmy Sexton doesn't make the AD sign the contract. Ross, I, I, I will never understand what Ross Bjork did. And maybe Texas A&M does get to the playoff or whatever. But the product that you're watching right now, now without Haynes King, That's not a team that's going 10-2, and even. You have to score to win games, and they can't right now, and they're without the guy that won their quarterback job for, what, at least four, five games? And he's going to come back in four weeks after ankle surgery and play SEC football? Okay. Okay. But he's also getting his first game action himself. It's not like they... Haynes King has been a starter for multiple years, and he can slip right back in. Like He's got an adjustment period himself that he has not been able to do. And so he's going to take five weeks off, come back on an ankle that was surgically repaired, and then restart like his adjustment time? I don't know, man. I I, I am not at all um, in love with Texas A&M. In fact, I think I'm going to be dead wrong about what I thought about them going into this season. I expected Texas A&M to be a playoff contender. I really did. I said it a thousand times on this live stream and on the radio show. I was a believer in Texas A&M. And now you're looking at a situation where, I mean, you know, they get a break with New Mexico this weekend, but they have Arkansas in the next five weeks. So if he's out five weeks with ankle surgery, seems about right. They said four, let's call it five. They have New Mexico, Arkansas, Mississippi State, Alabama at Missouri. Those four SEC games, if they play anything resembling the way they played last Saturday, they're losing three of them. They'll sneak, they'll, they'll find one win in that, but they'll lose three of them. And then what happens? That's not good. And so that's really not good at all. But, hey, $9 million apparently didn't get you what it used to anymore. You give $9 million to a guy after he wins a championship. He makes more money than Dabo Sweeney. He makes more money now than Dabo Sweeney. Uh, multiple champion Dabo Sweeney. All right, Ross. They better prove it. Wes says, I don't think Georgia is on the same level as Alabama. Yeah, I can hear I hear that. I'm not gonna argue too much against you there. Uh I, I think though Georgia's defense is so suffocating and elite, they are I mean, they they proved it against Clemson. They Georgia can compete with like down to the wire anybody in America, and that includes Alabama. Uh that is a suffocating defense ten times over. And Wes, my reasoning is more about what I don't know about Alabama as opposed to what I know about Georgia. Georgia's been tested. Alabama hadn't been tested yet. That happens this weekend. If Alabama wins and they cover that 15-point spread, then absolutely, yeah, they're on different tiers because I don't think Georgia's going to beat Florida by three scores. But I I saw elite when I watched Georgia play defense. I see elite. And – Alabama just hadn't been tested enough yet to tell me that their separation aside from a a preconceived notion, which, of course, factors into stuff like this. Williams says Arkansas at at two is too high. I hear that, too. Uh, I was overly impressed with their win over Texas, and I'm probably a prisoner of the moment there. Uh, I still think that Texas is extremely soft, and, and that win in Fayetteville, to me, was more about Texas than it is Arkansas. I think that was more about how Texas is not ready to compete in the SEC when they move over today than Arkansas is here in like a national title contender or whatever. Like they're here and they're competitive. I think Arkansas has got some flaws. Uh, I don't know if they're just going to be able to line up and run the football at everybody in the SEC the way they did Texas. And and I think – Texas's offense, I mean, they're breaking in a new quarterback. Uh, They lack some weapons. They lack some pieces and the ability to move the football, especially vertically, just wasn't there. Uh, So I hear you. But Arkansas has the best win right now in the SEC, I I think. No, Georgia aside. Georgia aside, Arkansas probably, not probably, has the best win in the SEC. So that's why I had them there. But that, that group is all just kind of jumbled together. You can make an argument that everybody in that group of Florida, Ole Miss, Arkansas, A&M, Kentucky State, possibly Auburn, we'll see this weekend, can all beat each other. I definitely think that group is much better than LSU, Missouri, Tennessee, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt. I just don't really know how to separate them out uh, just yet. I just love the way they looked. I really did. Um, Lined up and ran the football right at Texas, which is uh, not what I expected at all. But, again, I think it's more about Texas than it is than it is Arkansas. One thing I wanted to bring to you guys. So the coaching search season we talked about yesterday, this answer from Luke Fickle. So Luke Fickle, the head coach at Cincinnati, has been named in the job, or, or he's, like, on all the hot lists and stuff at Southern Cal. Understandably so. What he's doing at Cincinnati is incredibly impressive. There's a difference between taking – We back? Okay. My internet is just uh, pathetic this morning. I can't. I, I say this a thousand times a week. I cannot wait for the C-Spire fiber installation to be done so I can drop this terrible, terrible internet. I, this is just awful. But anyway, um, my, Luke Fickle is, is taking Cincinnati to unprecedented heights. That's more important to me than just a guy that's winning. It's a guy that's winning and then taking his program to higher places, and Luke Fickle's done that. Uh, I would want to hire him if I were Southern Cal as well. But here is his answer. I actually love this. I'll show this to you as well for those of you watching and not listening. I do know that more of you listen than watch, as I've learned, based on the numbers. But here's Luke Fickle's answer. So he was asked on the difference between hearing coaching rumors in December compared to mid-September. And this is after he gave a really good answer about, you know, being named in these lists. And he said, I'm not interested in that right now. I don't want to talk about it. You know, I I don't want the job, whatever he gave the coach speak. But then he said, you know, I'm glad that this is happening because it means we're doing something right. He's like, I want my players to get calls at the end of seasons because that means they're going to the NFL. I I want my assistants, my coordinators to get calls because that means we're winning games. I love that answer. He's right. Don't hide from it. Don't do the coach speak BS and not say anything. He was honest. Yeah, I want my coordinators to get calls for head coaching jobs at the end of a season because that means I hired well and we won games. I I want my players to get calls at the end of the season because that means they were good enough to go play in the NFL. So that was a cool answer, but I like this a lot. For those of you that can't see it, no, I don't normally listen. uh, This is Luke Fickle talking. No, I don't normally listen until even January when you start to read some things. But this is a crazy world, a crazy business. I think it does nothing more than show a lot of us that stability is great in this business. When you can create some stability and the things that are around you, the grass is not always greener. If you are going to spend any time thinking about it, it does make you realize what great fortunes you have to be building something that have some stability. Not just for you as a person and you as a family guy, but you as a program and the kids in your program. I actually believe this. I actually believe this. Uh, I, I think Luke Fickle right now is probably not interested in leaving. His program's getting a jump to the Big 12. He doesn't have to go to Southern Cal to play Power 5 football anymore. All joking aside about what the Big 12 is left. But I've talked with you guys about this before in the past. I think the landscape is changing in college football. I think it's progressively going to get harder and harder to hire coaches. Will the biggest programs be able to do it? Yeah. Will Southern Cal get a really good high-profile candidate? Sure. So will Alabama and Clemson if Dabo leaves and so on and so on? Like, I'm not going to fool you into thinking nobody's going to be able to hire a coach anymore. Of course they are. But I think guys are starting to see, like, what's happening with Mike Norvell. I think guys are starting to see that and realize that, hey, We're about to get an expanded playoff, also. So I can actually compete for championships. My school has more money than they've ever had. They can pay me more. I'm comfortable where I am. I don't have to go to Southern Cal to be happy, rich, and compete for championships. Luke Fickle didn't have to go to Southern Cal for that. Is it a better job than Cincinnati? Absolutely. It is a better job than Cincinnati. Of course it is. But if he goes, Eight and four, eight and four. He's on the hot seat in year three. Loses his job. He goes eight and four and eight and four at Cincinnati. It's all good. It's fine. They give him a chance to build something at Cincinnati. He's got stability. He's also got family ties to the state of Ohio as well. So does his wife, if I understand it correctly. But that line, the grass isn't always greener, is a perfect application to college football today. Look at what's happening to Mike Norvell at Florida State. He is one COVID season in two games into his Florida State tenure. And you've got fans already talking about who's going to replace him. He's already he's already a goat and not the good kind of goat. He's a scapegoat. Fire him. Get him out of here. One season in two games into his time at Florida State. Maybe some guys don't want to subject themselves to that. I wouldn't. Are you kidding me? Especially when I'm winning. I've got a nationally ranked football team at Cincinnati. I'm winning. We just joined the Big 12. Why do I need to go anywhere? There are people that are not taking that into account anymore. Or they never have. But they're not taking it into account right now. Landscape has changed. This This quote is what I was talking about this summer. In contrast what Luke Fickle said to what James Franklin said yesterday. And if I were a Penn State fan, this would scare me. This would scare me if I were a Penn State fan. James Franklin said uh, he was asked in his press conference yesterday about the speculation of the Southern Cal job. He said he'll address it today with Penn State's leadership council because he doesn't want it to be a distraction headed into Auburn. All the energy and focus is on Auburn. Not as confident building as what Luke Fickle said. Franklin might be gone. But that's an interesting quote from Luke Fickle. If you're winning, if you're stable, if they're committed to you, do you have to go? Is the grass always greener? Because if you're not perfect, they're going to can your ass in a couple of years. Do you want that? You don't have to be perfect at Cincinnati. Now, you can't suck, but you've got room for some missteps. You can have a down season, and your seat's not on fire. They'll pay you a lot. Playoff expands, you get to compete for championships. What more do you want? What more do you want? Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I appreciate all of you very much for being a part of the live stream. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube. Michael Borky on YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. That's how I'd prefer you guys watch. Just easier. It's just much easier. And don't forget to like the video. That would help me a ton. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow. Already Thursday tomorrow. That's exciting. We'll look at uh, the games coming up this weekend. And also... A deeper dive into Memphis and Tulane. What kind of challenges these two teams present to Ole Miss and State in the rest of the schedule uh, coming up this weekend. So y'all be good. Have a great day. Try to enjoy yourselves, although weather is just crap outside right now. But enjoy yourselves today. I'll be back tomorrow with you guys right here on the stream and on the radio this afternoon. Y'all have a good day, and I'll see you either later today or tomorrow morning.